Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. My next guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, oh, we had such a ball. We talked about sales leadership and how having to adapt post-COVID to the virtual world, bringing out some real positive aspects of the way the go-to-market model and, and how, how we're doing business. Talked about diversity and the importance of keep pushing um, that envelope, but also empathy as well and how you engender empathy, not only with your, your team, but for your customers and really understanding the customer experience is more important than product. So, you know, you're going to enjoy this so much. So my next guest is results-driven sales leader with over 20 years experience working in financial services companies like NASDAQ and more recently hyper-growth tech companies. With a consistent record of surpassing goals and leading teams through transformation and unprecedented growth, he has created and implemented sales teams and their related groundworks multiple times. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Eugene Smain. Thank you for having me, Janice. We've talked about uh, getting together on this for quite some time. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, today is the day. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so I'm really interested in your background. You know, as the first U.S. employee hire of Brighter, you've seen a lot and you've influenced a lot as how the organization has grown, you know, in recruiting, you know, all of the kind of sales function personnel, creating the programs and accelerating revenue, very successful organization and under your leadership. As a sales leader, this is, there's so much has changed in the way our buyers are buying. Our buyers are looking different, they're communicating different. So how have you had to adapt with growing your organization and the customers being a moving target. They're constantly involving. This COVID thing has changed so much. How have you reconciled those two things? Sure, it's a, it's a great question, right? And I think a lot of people are trying to figure this out. And certainly I don't have all the answers, but over the past couple of years, we're trying to get a little cl more clarity on what works. and. For me, Janice, I, I try to stick with the simple things. You get too complicated and it goes over my head. So what's simple, right? And what's important is, is that we, we continue to forge, maintain, and grow relationships. And I think ultimately what the remote environment has done is it's shifted the way we do all, all of these things, right? It's shifted the way we meet people, we learn about them, that we have dialogue, that we build trust and credibility. It changes the way we sell sometimes instead of being in a boardroom and sort of showing what you have and going through a demo. We do all of the, the show and tell aspect of selling towards the end of the sales cycle virtually as well. Um, but 
Really, I think there's some great benefits. And the way that we've shifted is being very empathetic to the customer. And I agree with you. I think this new normal, if you will, is here to stay. I think I think prospects and people and customers have found that they can buy and forge relationships remotely, virtually with people all over the world. There's a lot of positives of this as well. Um, so this, this way that uh, you can develop this uh, level of trust and, um, and, and commitment with people that you only meet online is really what we've been focusing our time on doing. And, and really, I, I don't have a bunch of secrets, but I would say in the spirit of keeping it simple, I think it's being extra attuned to ensuring that we have a commitment to understanding how these changes, how COVID and, 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 and more broadly speaking, have affected prospects and customers, right? Like why, forget that we're not meeting in person, why are we meeting at all? Mm -hmm. um, what, what are the things that are on your mind the last couple of years and how have those shifted? So really leaning into these changes from the customer's view, there's usually a, a, a lot of connection there. We're all human after all, right? On both sides of the fence when we do business, sure. Absolutely. I, I love that response. So tell me from a customer's uh, point of view with the, the, the product and service, Brighter, do you have collaborations with the customer in the way that you develop an, uh, your product? How does that relationship work? Brighter, without going into too much detail, we do sell a, a, a pass solution it's a platform that allows folks without IT skills to build software. And I start with just that overview because it means that we can work with a lot of different personas. Nailing down our, our um, ideal customer profile and buyer personas is complicated because we sort of have more, more than one. And to answer your question, depending on who you're working with, there does come a point in time where we really need to get them hands-on right? Really experience what we do. Um, I don't think we've ever forged a sale without our prospect or customer being in our platform, building something with our tool. It makes a lot of sense, right? And we've, we've done this in sort of a hybrid model. I was actually, I don't want to digress too much, but you asked about how, how we remotely adjusted to selling. I think a lot of things we're trying to find this middle oftentimes called hybrid way. And that's what we do here. Okay. And what I mean by that is the virtual part is it's just part of the sales cycle. When we feel we understand the customer, we start showing the tool. We'll do classic demos. We'll give them trials. We'll do, we'll do all the, the, the POC, the POV, those types of things. Sure. We'll absolutely do those. However, um, and hopefully knock on wood, the, the, the environment will allow us to continue to do this. People are, meeting in person again, right? A little more limited, but they are. <clears throat> and we do this as well. So one example there would be, uh, would be, we find that our prospects and customers learn better when they're learning with other prospects. So what we've done is create classic things like commonly called hackathons, right? Where we get a group of people. Um, Janice is interested, but so is her, her. So is her friend John. So we bring Janice and John in a room. They get to network, bounce ideas off of each other, and obviously Brighter is there, so they can leverage our platform in this somewhat of of, of a community in person feel. 
It's interesting how you're you're leveraging that because I would imagine then you can take those the customers ideas that have, have, have come up from the, the hackathon and look, well, what other customers could leverage this, this, this new inspiration? Or who else can we, we offer that to? And I would imagine there's new ideas, new ways of doing things that you hadn't, if you were sitting in a room, your, your tech team, there's no way on earth that they would have, have created those, those ideas. I've worked in customer experience and that's exactly why customer experience is so key um, customer journeys, having them sitting with the tech team, because I find that customers have the best ideas, not the technicians. Absolutely. I, I love it. I couldn't agree more, right? I mean, we talk, uh, the analogy we use at my company, and frankly, a lot of companies that do similar things to us, is we provide the, the, the Legos, right? The classic children's toy, adult toy as well. And customers build what they want. So you could build whatever you want. And you're only limited really by your imagination, which is great, but sometimes that's too daunting. And, and the classic question was, that sounds great. Give me examples of what my peers have done, just like you mentioned, Janice. And we find when we just throw our proverbial Legos in a room and let our customers and prospects build, you're right. We see things like, wow, that is really cool or very different. I would have never thought of that, right? So the, I, the whole concept, not just for brighter, but um, the larger concept of how ideas are shared today, right? In the sales process, virtually um, outside of the sales process is an intriguing one, yeah. So now it started me thinking in terms of diversity. So if you got that your technology and you got a bunch of 12 year olds in the room or yeah. whoever, you know, just people that wouldn't normally use this and have access to it, what ideas would they come up with? How would they, they start to use it? It could be really interesting because you have the flexibility with your platform to actually do that. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Diversity in terms of the, uh, the builder in this case is so important. Um, Janice, you and I are passionate about diversity in, in sales and the workforce. And that is the biggest thing at the end of the day, isn't it? That you have to think different, look different, be different to have different ideas. And I just think that such a premium should be placed on companies that all talk about innovation and how they're different. It's really hard to do that when you don't have diversity in, in the people that are coming to the table with the ideas. And in your analogy, I know is more for, for brighter and, and prospects you know, I would say that's, that's uh, whether internal, external within your company, love seeing ideas um, from a greater diversity in the audience, for sure. Yeah. Well, because you and I are very passionate about this subject, I'd like to delve into it a little bit deeper sure. because the how we met was a writer sponsored Hills to Deals event in, in Boston and have gone on to su support the, the, the book. And um, this is Hills to Deals is um, how women are, are accelerating in, in, in B2B sales and the telling of our stories. So I contributed um, to that. But I, speaking to other brighter people that came along to the event, they were so in, enthusiastic and uh, um, inspiring. So there must be something that you're doing that you're doing in in brighter that's encouraging and nurturing that kind of positivity that's um 
that's reflected outside of the organizations. How are you doing it? Yeah, I wish I had all the answers here too, and I don't. I think for me personally, it's very kind of you, but I only take a little bit of credit. I think I think the the impact that we can have, and I mean we in terms of folks that have a leadership role, you do set a little bit of, of what's acceptable, what is the norm, what are we striving for? Certainly an, an outsized impact on the culture at times with the decisions we make as leaders. And as it relates to diversity, I try to be very curious on the things I don't know. Um, why does the problems exist? How can I and my organization and my team, how can we be part of the solution? What are the real actions that we can do to help um, try to understand much like we do in a, in a good sale from the audience that's impacted by the lack of diversity? What, what are the challenges you're having? Why, what, where are you trying to strive? And just really learning from them. So that's the curiosity element. And then I think there's got to be an execution part as well. And that's exactly why I sponsored Lori. Wonderful program, wonderful book. All of you women did such an incredible job. But I think the action piece is it takes a concerted effort to drive change, mm. right? It takes a little extra. It takes a little different. It takes a little um, creativity, if you will or we're not gonna drive change, right? It sounds so obvious, but that's what I've tried to do as well. So I'm trying to network and meet people who not only could educate me, but who have access to this audience. So I can say, I wanna help. I wanna be an advocate. I don't know exactly how, but um, I need you, right? And going out there and really making those connections and trying to pull these people in, uh, that's something I'm trying to do more and more. And, Hopefully my organization, uh, and I think they do actually re reflect that, uh, that proclivity towards doing that. Well, the, the, the stat is, is that if you have a diverse group team of people, it's more profitable. But there's, there's another reason. It's just the right thing to do. 100%. And then our buyers are incredibly diverse and so if you you do not reflect your audience you can't speak the language if you can't communicate um uh how the customer uh, wants to be um communicated with then you're you're a bit of a lost cause so why is it why is it that we even have to continue to talk about this with a lot of companies? And I know that you've got you know, 20 years experience in sales leadership. You've, you know, working for, for large and uh, growth companies, but it is a big problem. And it, ha and, we, and it hasn't changed significantly with the numbers of diverse leaders, let alone the, the workforce. So what do you see are the, the real barriers here? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think there, there, there are quite a few barriers and I think some of them are really large and then some of them are a little more, call them not smaller, but more individual, what you could impact as I referred to above. And then even at the company level, I think uh, the way uh, individual companies tackle this big issue of diversity and you're right, I, I love that I believe as I start looking for things, you start seeing they're around you. And I believe that people do care, right? I don't know, I wouldn't suggest everyone, but it's a big thing, right? And I won't go into 
even like things like ESG, which is a hot topic on how are you, what's the diversity on, on, on the makeup of your board and leadership. My former company, Adina Friedman, the CEO, is a wonderful woman who has passed some frankly controversial, really forward looking um, regulations to be on the NASDAQ, where you must have some women on the leadership team and the board. And so I, I see pockets of really great things happening and great leaders taking a stab at this. I think the barriers are there's not enough of them. And I also think some of the barrier that I could relate to is that you feel a little powerless, right? I mean, I could talk about this outside of our podcast in the last two years, talk about the, the there's so many problems, but I feel so helpless. I feel like I can't affect these things. And I think that's a barrier. And that's where I've said, it's just unacceptable speaking to myself to say, I care about this. I'll maybe throw some dollars here and, and sponsor this. I need to, as I talked about before, like make a different um, additional effort approach to this problem. And I think when we have more people who feel empowered and more of these people come together as a community, right? Regardless of your role in your company, um, that is power, right? Mm -hmm. Power is not dictated by your position, your salary or your title. It's, it's power is, is, is within the people like everything else. And that's how you drive change, right? So I think that's the barrier. But again, Janice, I like to be optimistic. And I wanna say that more and more people are caring and making these connect the dots, even the ways that we met Mm. Um, and the change will happen um, progressively and in a material way, because gosh, do we need it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for your, your, your honesty, because as a sales leader, uh, a lot of people will hear your voice and think, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> you know, it's overwhelming. I want to change, but I don't know where to start. I don't know, you know, um, what to do. But the... Uh, the customers are, are driving it as, as, as well. I don't know in the US, but in uh, certainly in, in the UK and Europe, they're actually putting that um, in as one of the criterias for bidding, you know? So the more that customers are actually driving this, this as well, um, then the more will, companies will be encouraged to change. As, so it's on all sides, isn't it? I, I couldn't agree more, right? I think there will be this increased, um, you know, not just the rules that folks make, such as the example I gave with uh, Dino over at NASDAQ, but the later adopters will see more and more companies doing doing this and adding more diversity. And um, ultimately there, there has to be that classic tipping point in my opinion, I hope, where it, we're not talking about things like this, right? Like uh, we, we, it, we're not talking about lack of women and women of color and minorities overall, just not being represented at the table. I would love that day, right? Yeah, yeah. So talking about um, buyers and uh, customers, and we've just spoke uh, briefly about their experience. What you see is the relationship between the experience that we, we give our, our customers or we create and collaborate with with our customers and buyers and the impact on sales what's the relationship there yeah i think it's a direct correlation isn't it i mean i i have worked janice for the patent for most of my career with um with SaaS, with types of solutions that require uh an ongoing commitment right um they're not just a one-time project and, and, you, and you and you buy this and we say goodbye good luck uh, and I think a lot of technology is, is built and commercialized around this idea of a recurring model. And how can you not 
have a customer centric way of everything you do from relationships, right? To the, to the product and the support and all of this, because the obvious is when you don't, you know, you have a, sorry, it was nice to, to know you, but either my needs have changed and I've outgrown you or um, I, I, I signed up for this relationship and, and whatever the product or you, not what I signed up for, right? These are all when when the bad things happen, where there's not an alignment. And to that end, the short answer is it's everything. It really is everything. It's 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 that. And I think we talked about this before. So you get a little bit of my mindset, but just really centering around this 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 empathy, right? This, uh, it's it's I'm glad people are talking about it to the point where sometimes you're still almost overused, but I'm passionate about it. That success, especially in our profession and for business, if you can truly not just try, but want to have a deep curiosity and interest in what is driving the other people's decisions, right? Um, and instead of saying, I want to find your pain and, and just really talk about um, how is that pain challenging you? Like, what are the challenges that keep you from your objectives and frame it in a way that you're just deeply caring about this? That's when that's when magic happens. And those customer relationships, yes, lead to bigger sales, faster sales, longer standing um, network of sales. And uh, let's be honest with ourselves, the way customers buy today, that reference point, that proof point of how others do it, usually is a lot stronger than what you and I can say as salespeople, right? And we yeah. build that universe and ecosystem with customer relationships more than product, more than anything else. Excellent. Love that response. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question about uh, the differences, your preference for sure. working in uh, growth, growing a, 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 an organization to, you know, NASDAQ, uh, really large, so many yeah. levels, you know, what's your perspective now having kind of done both? Where, where are you happy? Where's your happy space? Yeah, that's an intuitive question. I'll answer it with my current thinking right now. I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm loving the growth, the, the, the classic VC backed. We don't have all the answers. In fact, we know less than we do know. Um, so let's go out there and not just execute a playbook, but create the playbook or refine the playbook. Um, and building really from a little bit more of the ground up from even a people perspective. I'm loving it, Janice. I think I'm gonna do this for a while as long as I can. But you're right. Uh, I've done really large companies, managed hundreds of people globally with mature uh, market-leading businesses, and I would never take that back. So my career—I mean, I don't, don't want to say it's unique, but a little traditionally different. I did the big company, then I've gone smaller and smaller, if you will, in terms of the size of the business and the people on my team. And I think I got lucky, and I'm not suggesting everyone to his or her own, but. I love it for me because the NASDAQ aspect, we had a lot of discipline around process, around success criteria and metrics, and um, we're, doing, we're doing well, and why are we doing well? And are you sure those are the reasons we're doing well? And is what looks good today and yesterday the same as tomorrow? So just really gave me some of that, that process and discipline around looking at companies with that type of lens. And then I went to um, a company called Mendex, where it was, uh, you know, we, we grew over the 100 million ARR mark while I was there, but much smaller than what I had at NASDAQ. So that was a little bit of build and, and uh, refine 
a little bit of this hybrid approach, like take what I learned at NASDAQ and try to implement it here, but also give it a, give it a little bit of scrutiny, right? And, and try to test and challenge some things that we were doing here because getting from um, the 10 million to 100 million, 100 million to a billion, everyone says it's so different and it is, right? So that was really fun. And then you alluded to before, starting at Brighter was pretty scary. I was the first US employee and we really had to build a lot of things from scratch. So that was a lot more building, but I would argue at the same time, you have to learn to pivot really quickly, right? Because you don't have all the answers, you start to say, I think these two things or these three things are the answer. And you go out and you test them, but you gotta be sharp about saying this one works, optimize this one, scale this one, um, this one not so good, we're gonna kill this one. And by the way, we have a little bit more bandwidth, what's our third idea, right? And I'll pause there. So. Um, so the, the short answer again is, I love what I'm doing. I think I'm gonna stick with this sort of smaller company, the pace, the excitement, the building aspect, but all of them are wonderful. And my advice to, uh, to folks would be, sometimes I do see a little bit more of pigeonholing, if you will, you're a big company um, lady, you're, 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 you're a small company one, but let's talk about the learnings, right? Regardless of big or small and what's your story and how are you going to take those learnings for your next role and your next next company and things like this. That's that's where the fun starts from an individual perspective in my view. I think your career path is most unusual because the mindset for big company and the mindset for being the first hire and having to build it is worlds apart, worlds apart. And so for you to be able to adapt and analyze and you know make those quick decisions now that actually would have been perhaps to your detriment in the kind of large company, we don't want you to have too much of an opinion. We don't want you to change things too. It is huge. And that's why I think it's in, in, in uh, I'm really glad that you've explained what, what it takes with those three different levels. But most people I don't think would have been able to have transitioned quite uh, so so much, which is probably you know your unique uh, career um, is is really interesting, very fascinating. Yeah, that's very kind of you. I think what you're not seeing, as you see my resume, Janice, is like I, I made so many mistakes. I had so many learnings. There were tough transitions, right? Big company, small company, different technology space. And um, this whole world that I'm in right now with automation is completely new to me. Even as recently as five years ago, I knew nothing about it. Um, so I think it's just leaning into what you do know, right? And that's what I've, what I've tried to and what I try to instill with my team is, um, that transcends again, in my view, the size of the company and, and what you're selling and all of these and the types of customers and people you work with. Are you, are you deeply centered around customers as we talked about? Mm -hmm. um, are you trying to set the pace and the type of people you hire? Um, are you really trying to get diversity throughout your team to have these different ideas so you could push forward and sort of be let people follow your ideas as opposed to chasing all of them? Um, these types of concepts, again, I think, really work well, that core foundation uh, tends to work at regardless of the size of the company. Yeah, yeah excellent. I think I emailed you and said, I laughed so hard at your, your answer to this. I'm gonna <laughs> ask you, if you're on a desert <laughs> island on your own, who would sure. you take with you or what would you take with you? 
Yeah, sure. I laughed at your laughter in the parentheses. You said this one made me laugh. And uh, it is true, Janice. I think those are the classic questions. Um, and for the audience, we we do. We, there's no practice here, right, Janice? This is live, our first time we're doing this. But Janice asks some questions, just give you an idea of, of what we're going to chat about. And this one was, who would you bring, as you just mentioned, to an island with you? And for me, at least, I get those questions and I, and I try to think of like a cool answer. I'm like, okay, celebrity or someone really neat or someone that says, oh, you're right, how interesting. I would love to be. Um, but the real answer, Janice, I shared with you is, is my wife, right? My, my wife and I have two kids. We've been together for, uh, we realized over half our lives and I'm over mid forties right now, right? So we spent a lot of time together. And the reason I gave, and maybe that's what made you chuckle, but also true is that no one else would put up with me. Uh, even though I think I wrote that she'd be a little sad that I dragged her onto the island because she'd want to be doing something else without me, with her friends probably after a couple of days. But who else is going to put up with me? Who else knows me in that way? And at the end of the day, if we can find a partner that accepts us with all of our, our, our idiosyncrasies, and I have a lot of them, then why wouldn't you bring them to the island, right, Janice? We'd be lost without them. <laughs> I was thinking she would be as mad as hell with you, and you're going to catch fire all the time that you're on the desert island alone. It's why did you bring me here? And you're as happy as Larry because you've got your life partner, you know? So that's right, Janice. <laughs> yeah. So how can listeners get hold of you? Sure. I think LinkedIn would probably be the easy, ubiquitous way to contact me, right? So look me up. I'm in a company called Brighter. Google me. You'll see my LinkedIn and would love to uh, engage in any type of discussion or if I could help with anything, sharing ideas, all the great things we talked about this past half hour. I'm game. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Eugene Shim. This was a blast. Thanks, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Yourselves podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you. For listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.